From NBC5 and the Dallas Morning News, this is the Lone Star Politics Podcast. I'm Chris Blake. The Senate impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump begins Tuesday. Trump denied an invitation last week from House impeachment managers to testify. So ahead of the trial, Julie Fine and Gromer Jeffers will talk to Republican Congressman Van Taylor of Plano. They'll also chat with Plano Mayor Harry Lorasolier, who is nearing the end of his two terms as the city's mayor. Plus, a look at billboards popping up in North Texas calling for the resignation of a U.S. senator. But first, to impeachment. Donald Trump's lawyers will make the case that the impeachment of someone no longer in office is unconstitutional, while the House impeachment managers will present what they say is proof that Trump incited a mob to storm the Capitol on January 6th. The Senate has already voted down a motion claiming the impeachment trial is unconstitutional. Five Republicans joined the 50 Senate Democrats in a 55-45 vote. In addition, the nonpartisan Congressional Research Service says most legal scholars believe Congress does have the authority to proceed with impeachment for officials who are no longer in office. Let's go back a little bit. One of the few examples of this happening in American history was in 1876. The House voted to impeach Secretary of War William Belknap, who was accused of taking bribes. Belknap resigned before the actual House vote, and while more than half the Senate voted to convict, it did not reach the necessary two-thirds threshold, so Belknap was ultimately acquitted. Back to this week. Representative Van Taylor, a Republican from Plano, voted against impeachment. Taylor was elected to his second term in November in Texas's 3rd District. He talks to Julian Gromer about impeachment, the early days of the Biden administration, and COVID-19. Thanks so much for being here, Congressman. Great to be with you guys. Second impeachment trial begins for now former President Trump this week. You voted against impeachment. How do you think this will proceed? Well, unfortunately, we just don't have all the facts at this point, Julie. Uh, you know, before you... Before someone goes to trial in this country, we like to give them due process. We like to give them uh, the opportunity to have an attorney, the opportunity to subpoena documents, to bring in witnesses. Uh, that was actually the job of the House of Representatives. And traditionally, uh, it's something we've, we've always done. Uh, it was truncated somewhat uh, in the first impeachment of the president, but there was literally no effort uh, to do any of that uh, in, by the U.S. House of Representatives uh, in the second impeachment of, of this of former President Trump, and it's it's really disappointing. I think I think that his rights, uh, his constitutional rights, uh, have been abridged uh, by the House of Representatives. Representative, it does not appear, you know, even given what, what you said, it does not appear that there will be enough Republicans in the Senate to vote to convict former President Trump. Should he be held accountable uh, for what happened on January 6th, his role? And if so, how do you do that? Well, I, I, I certainly hope that we can figure out what happened on January 6th. Uh, and I think that there are a lot of questions still remaining. Uh, you know, and, you know, for example, uh, I was reading the New York Times this week. and was surprised to find out that, and I didn't know this, that the, the plan uh, for the rally uh, at the Ellipse on January 6th was to actually physically walk down Pennsylvania Avenue and come and continue the rally, so to speak, in front of the U.S. Capitol. Uh, and we just don't have the facts. Uh, we don't know a lot about the pipe bomb. So what level of pre-planning was there? What level to the, the people that, that actually assaulted the Capitol and committed these, uh, these acts? That, you know, what were, were they planning this for how long? Uh, how much effort did they put into it? Uh, was there any coordination with the White House? I haven't seen any evidence of that, but I think it's certainly worth asking that question. Uh, I think you want to get a full understanding of the facts. And I think 
similar to what happened on 9-11, uh, it took literally years to get a full and complete understanding of what transpired on September 11, 2001. And I think it's going to take uh, many, many months, if not years, to really understand exactly what happened on January 6th, uh, 2021. And what do you think about the president basically telling his supporters that the election uh, was stolen from him, that Biden didn't win, and, and having them hold out hope that Biden eventually would not be inaugurated. Uh, what should happen to the, pre to the former president for that? Well, uh, you know, look, the, the president uh, exhausted his efforts uh, in court. I mean, he uh, waged 60 different uh, legal battles, uh, you know, at all levels of courts, federal, state, uh, appeals court, uh, state Supreme Courts. Uh, several cases went to the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, this is actually the most litigated election, you know, in, in our history. Uh, and the president was exercising his right to do that. And ultimately, the Electoral College uh, made a decision on who would be the next president of the United States. And, and uh, we had a peaceful transition of power on, on January 20th. Turning out of the Biden administration, there have been a flurry of executive orders ranging from COVID to immigration to oil and gas. You're a member of the Problem Solver Caucus, a bipartisan group of lawmakers. Can there be bipartisanship on legislation? There needs to be. Uh, and I think that, you know, you watched uh, last year uh, during COVID, you watched uh, the Congress come together on a bipartisan basis to pass uh, four very substantial trillions of dollars of spending uh, on, a, again, on a bipartisan basis. And I'd like to say the problem solvers were very central to getting, particularly the CARES 4 package. I think we had a very central role in getting that done. And we did that in a bicameral, bipartisan discussion to do that. Um, and I think that, you know, to get a substantial package through now, it's going to take, once again, take a bicameral, bipartisan discussion. We are having those discussions. It's frustrating to see uh, the White House try to end run around us and try to just jam it through without any Republican support. Let's turn to the Republican Party. Some members voted last week to take away Representative Liz Cheney's leadership position after she voted to impeach former President Trump. Now, the majority were in her favor, but your reaction to what's going on within the party? Sure. Well, you know, I, I, I think that the Republican Party should be a big tent party. Uh, and that means, you know, including people whose opinions you don't necessarily agree with. I did not vote for impeachment. Liz Cheney did vote for impeachment. I voted to keep her as the as the conference chair for the Republican Party uh, here in the U.S. House of Representatives. Uh, and I feel I feel strongly about that. We need to be a big time party. We need to be accepting of other ideas uh, within our party. And we cannot uh, succumb to the cancel culture that we have seen uh, from the left. That is something that I think has upset me. I think it's upset a lot of Americans, this idea that if you don't agree on this one issue, you're out. You're gone. We don't want to talk to you. You're politically dead to us. We're going to deplatform you and uh, and leave you on the side of the road. I just don't think that America needs to be that way. I think we need to be appreciative of each other and, and respect the individual and respect the things that we don't agree with. Representative, what do you what did you think about uh, last Thursday's Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene vote? 199 Republicans did not vote to remove her from her committees uh, after a video surface of her spreading conspiracy theories and suggesting the Parkland school shooting was staged. What do you what's your reaction to all of that? Sure. I, I, I was really appalled by some of the things she said and some of the, some of the things that came out uh, and certainly have, have had you know, no, no problems expressing uh, my disappointment with some of the opinions she expressed. She did go on the House, uh, on the floor of the House of Representatives. She apologized for what she said. 
and uh, and I, I, I take her to work for that. Uh, and, but let me just say this, uh, you know, again, this idea of cancel culture, this idea that, oh, these sets of things we don't like, you can't apologize for it. I just don't think that that's, that's really the way we should be in the Republican Party, or really in America. I think America needs to be uh, tolerant of diverse opinions, uh, ones that we ourselves don't hold. Uh, and we need to listen to each other. And that's certainly what I've tried to do here in the U.S. House of Representatives. And that's why I'm a member of the bipartisan group of problem solvers, is I want to hear what the other side has to say and try to convince them that the conservative Republican way is the better way. One of the House impeachment managers is from Texas, Democratic Representative Joaquin Castro of San Antonio. Scroll back to the January 17th episode of the podcast to hear his thoughts. And of course, you can follow the trial each day on NBC5 and at NBCDFW.com. In Plano, Mayor Harry LaRosselier is nearing the end of his time in office due to term limits. First elected in 2013, the 58-year-old is the city's first black mayor. LaRosselier was born in Haiti and moved to New York with his family when he was three years old. He moved to Plano in 1994, eventually serving two terms on the city council before his election as mayor. He joins Julian Gromer to discuss his future and what it's been like responding to the coronavirus pandemic. Mayor, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Julian Grom. It's great to see y'all. Let's start with Plano. Now there are two vaccination hubs in Plano. How's it going? So, you know, it, the rollout has been slow. As we know, this, uh, the demand is outstripping uh, the supply. Uh, this, this week, though, was a very good week for us in Collin County. We have almost 21,000 vaccinations coming in. And we have two locations in Plano, one at John Clark Stadium and one at the Sam Johnson Recreation Center, the, our, our, known as our senior center. And we have the ability in Plano to provide more vaccines than any other city in Collin County. So we're excited that they're up and running. There's been some glitches to start, but uh, it, it's, it's progressing and things are getting better. So what do you think, um, Mr. Mayor, local officials can do to make it easier for the elderly who may not be that great in booking appointments online. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of one of the saddest things that's going on through this, through this process. How do you make it easier for, for those uh, folks to get vaccinated? Well, Gromer, good point. I, I think what we, we've learned over the last year plus and through COVID is that crisis management requires us to be uh, flexible and adaptable. So for us in the city, we uh, if you can't make an appointment online, I mean, we, we, have, uh, we have our website that we have our friendly uh, COVID you know, response team to help usher people through. And I think if the other cities did that, that would help. Uh, sometimes people prefer to just pick up the phone and, and talk to someone. And we're fully available at the city to guide our, our citizens through the process, get them on that waiting list, and then hopefully get that shot in their arm as quickly as possible. When you see those images of, 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 of people over 65 in long lines and, and, and all of that, you know, how does that, I mean, what do you, what does that shake in you, you think? Does, does that make you want to do better or, or what? We, we always want to do better. I, I think what we, we learned through this is that, um, it's really about addressing a problem when it's there. When you're, when you're dealing with something of this magnitude, you can prepare as much as you want and you're gonna make mistakes. 
the key though is when, when you identify that area, that pain point or that bottleneck is to address it. No time to point fingers, no time to say you should have, could have. It's just time to react and, 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 and take the proper action. It's hard to see. It's good to see that people want to get the vaccine. So that's a positive because the more, more vaccination we get, the safer we can be and get back to whatever that new normal will be for ourselves. But important to note here, somebody that isn't computer savvy can call in Plano and they'll help book an appointment. Well, absolutely. We'll, we'll help guide them. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's how we've approached uh, this, this pandemic from the beginning. It's really that uh, having that sense of compassion and care. And it's just not a cookie cutter approach that you have to do this or that. We had our librarians work as, as, as friendly monitors calling our seniors during this past year just to check in on them, just so they can have a voice. And so that is the way, the Plano way and the way we'll continue to operate. So if there's a, if they come on our website and they're having trouble, we're gonna find a way to get them to get on that list one way or the other, that's what we do. What do you need from the state? What do you need from the federal government to make this process easier? We need more vaccines, simple, simple as that. We, we have the capability in Plano to uh, provide significant amounts of vaccines daily at the John Clark Center, uh, John Clark uh, Stadium rather, and at the Senior Center through Texas Health Resources uh, with the, our, our partnership with Texas Health Resources. And so if we get the vaccines, we'll get them in people's arms. There's, there's over 240,000 people on the waiting list uh, in Collin County. We're on number 30,000 right now, if you can imagine. So 240,000 have signed up. We're at about 30,000 right now. We're getting about another 29,000 this week. So that was a good, good jump up, good bump up, but we need more. And, and that, that is coming, that's ramping up slowly, but, but surely it's, recently we're getting more visibility as to what we're gonna get. It used to be, we'd get it, we'd get our count right before uh, we receive the vaccines, which makes it difficult to plan. We have about a three week expectation point as to when we're gonna get the vaccine. And that's allowed us to be a bit more organized and systematic in the way we, we approach things. Uh, so Mayor, are you counting down? Uh, Romer, it's two months, 27 days, uh, 10 hours and three minutes till May 1st, 8 p.m. when the new mayor will be elected. But I'm really not counting. I just happened to, uh, okay. I just well, happened okay, to notice counting that here? On the, yeah. well, when I was doing the astrology. Before you retreat to that that big old Plano mansion that you, <laughs> that you've been living in, tell me about your accomplishment. Tell me, what how do you, what was the city like when you found it? How are you leaving it? Well, like I said, it, I, I've I've said this is the story of Plano 3.0. You know, we were a bedroom community in the 80s, big suburb in the 90s, and in the 2000s uh, since becoming mayor, we've grown up. We're our own city. We have. We're globally diverse. We compete on the stage for any business, family, individual looking for a place to call home. We've had tremendous growth in terms of our business sector. Uh, what, what I'm most proud of, though, is how we've been able to grow as a city, but stay true to who we are, being an inclusive, compassionate city that uh, provides a welcoming environment for, for new people. And, and some of the work we've done with our young folks through the summer internship program and the backpacks, feeding some of those kids uh, and giving them the opportunity uh, that uh, that's abundant in Plano for them to, to be able to be the best that they can be. It's been a been quite an experience and quite a ride. 
so what's next for you? You're, you're running for governor in 2022, something like that? Well, I, 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 first, I'm going to put a apply to be uh, to substitute for you when you're not available, because you've probably got the best gig in the world. You get to work with Julie and, 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 and talk about talk about elected officials. So how much better can that be? So that's the first thing I'm going to do. But past that, you know, I don't know, Gromer, to say, really, I've always, it's always been about Plano to me. And uh, it's the highest level of service, I think, on the municipal level. I'm not going to close any doors. I'm going to be around and I, I will be available to help. Uh, certainly in the area, I, I have the most joy is, is working with young folks and providing opportunity. And uh, if the right situation presents itself, we'll, we'll review it. But for now, nothing nothing but taking a little bit more time with, spend with the family and, and, and kind of powering down a bit. Mayor, thanks so much for being with us. We really appreciate you. We always appreciate your kind words. Thank you, thank you. And, and, and Gromer, I know we were almost late for this call because you were roaming around in your mansion and you were lost, but we're glad you made it. And I'm glad I was able to see you and Julie. And anytime you need a fill in, I'm ready, my man. I'm here for you. Oh, right. keep that in mind. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all have a wonderful day. Thank you. It sounds like Brian Curtis may have some competition next time Gromer has a week off. That Plano general election is May 1st. And finally, you may have noticed some billboards sprouting up along Texas highways calling for the resignation of a U.S. senator. Julie and Gromer have more on that. Then we transition to a more casual conversation. Digging deeper into those billboards, Texas Governor Greg Abbott's State of the State address and even some Super Bowl predictions. The Republican Accountability Project, a group formed in the wake of the deadly riots at the U.S. Capitol, is putting up billboards calling for the resignation of Republicans who objected to the certification of the presidential election, including Texas Senator Ted Cruz. The Progressive Change Campaign Committee, a left-leaning PAC, put up similar billboards. A spokesperson for the senator said in a statement, quote, the left and some grifters on the right are consumed by partisan anger and rage. Senator Cruz will continue to work for 29 million Texans in the Senate. Gromer, your thoughts? Yeah, the, the Senator Cruz is going to have a bullseye on him for a long time uh, because of his votes and, and, and his support of President Trump, former President Trump, and that theory that the election was rigged. So he's going to have to deal with that. People aren't going to forget that for a while. Well, Gromer, I love it when we just get a chance to chat at the end of this. So that's fun for me. Yeah, yeah we haven't we haven't chatted in a while like this. So it's exciting. Well, let everyone understand. We chat all the time. Well, that's, it's true. Yeah, we chat on the true. phone. Every, we just don't get to chat like this. Day, right. um, let's talk a little bit about Governor Abbott's state of the state this past week. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because from a political standpoint, Abbott is in this commanding position and the state of the state. It is a state of the state address, but really it's a political speech as well. And so he's given it as Republicans, Texas Republicans are coming off of a strong 2020 and he's looking toward 2022 and he says he's going to seek reelection. So we'll see what happens there. I was struck by uh, his message. He threw out a lot of the red meat talking points. They, the, uh, guns and, and oil and things like that that they're coming for. Critics say there wasn't enough about COVID-19 and, and some bread and butter issues and bringing us out of the state, moving us forward, health care and all of that. 
But all in all, it was a typical Abbott, Abbott speech. You talk about at one point he said the politicians are coming to take your guns. Yeah, exactly. That's a big old shot at Beto O'Rourke, right? It really is. And as you know, you know, Beto has indicated that he will think about, I mean, he's a long way from saying he's going to run for governor, but he's thinking about it. A lot of people want him to run. The Texas Democratic Party chairman, Chairman Hinojoso, is trying to convince Beto to run. It's funny because the chairman always tells me when, when we talk about this, he says, I mean, last time he said, I either want an O'Rourke or a Castro at the top of the ticket. And so I think it's going to be like that in 2022, although you're not going to get Julian Castro who's removed his self from consideration. And we'll see what, what uh, former Congressman O'Rourke does. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. But the response, the Democratic response is it's interesting how they did it, right? It was a video, really, and with different people saying different things. And I think what they, it seemed as though when you read their release, what they wanted to do was showcase a group of, like, working Texans, politicians. Yeah. It, it, it was, I hadn't seen them do that before. Yeah, and I, I think it was a unique and novel idea, and it worked for what you just said, for what you just pointed out. I mean, the different voices of Texas. And in that respect, I think it worked very well. But what it also shows is that, you know, you don't have that traditional, here's the rising star, the up and coming person that's going to give the response. And then you can count on that person being on the ballot in 2022 or sometime like that, right? You didn't have that rising star that you see like in the presidential right. response or something like that. And so the question remains, again, from a political standpoint, we, we know we got Abbott right? What's going to happen on the Democratic Party side? How will they follow up? Not just the disappointment of 2020, but there was some success in party building. So how will they follow that up and go about challenging Abbott and, and, and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, if he, if he wants, the, the Attorney General Ken Paxson, which, Julie, I believe they're going to really focus on the AG's race. They feel that's the weakest link. Right. So I think they're going to focus I'm, on litigation right there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're going to focus on that. Let's, speaking of politics, and we touched on this very briefly in the show, the Ted Cruz billboards, the newspaper ads. I mean, the end game here, I can't imagine, is they believe that he's going to see this and say, oh, I have to resign. Yeah, that's what's really interesting about it is because, look, he's not resigning. Right? He's not resigning. You're not going to get him to resign. And he doesn't care if you if you keep, you know, poking at him, uh, you know, the billboards or whatever. You know, he was just reelected in, in 2018. So he's in in a safe spot in the sense that you can say and do all you want. He's not going to go anywhere. The question is, how long will does this take it through 2024 and how does it impact his plans if he has plans to run for president? Does this become what they call George Will said the scarlet, the S for sedition. Does that, is that really a stain on his political advancement or is it forgotten? And or I do people care in 2024? And I think you have to look at outside groups putting money in this race. Like the Republican Accountability Project, they're the ones that put up some of the ads. Those are Republicans. So, right. I mean, I think when you see a very far left group going after Senator Cruz, that's, you know, you kind of, you know, that happens right, in politics. Yeah. Left goes after right, right and vice versa. But that was uh, the Republican Accountability pro uh, Project. 
I, I think that was different than we'd seen in the past. Yeah, it's different. And, you know, Cruz appears to be courting the Trump voter, right? The, the voters that love former President Donald Trump. So in a sense that they probably see him, still view him as a Trump supporter, maybe in, from a political standpoint in his mind, these attacks don't, don't really hurt. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see, and we saw it a little bit this week, the future of the Republican Party, what it's going to be. When you yeah. look at, like, the Liz Cheney vote, Representative Cheney, to take her off leadership, I would two, th I mean, two-thirds, roughly, of Republicans voted to keep her there. Like, you heard Van Taylor say on the show, the representatives say, yeah, I voted against impeachment, but I voted to keep right. Representative Cheney. So this week, I think, looking back at Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and Representative Cheney, I think a question, too, is what is the future of the Republican Party? I totally agree. And to add to that, just like I pointed out with the Texas Democratic Party, for an entirely different reason, they have to identify emerging leaders, right, for, for their statewide runs. Well, the Republican Party, who's the leader or leaders of the Republican Party now? Is it still Donald Trump? A lot of people, or Republicans, hope that it's not. But who, who fills that void? Is it Mitch McConnell? Is it, is it, yeah. is it Kevin McCarthy? Is it, is right. it, yeah. When you think about like contenders or voices uh, in future elections, who are we talking about on the Republican side now that Trump, for the, for the moment, is off the political scene, at least not as visible as he was when he was president? Those are questions that they're going to have to answer. And before we go, big weekend, Super Bowl Sunday. Ah. I really, I mean, if you had to wager, I, I think I would roll with Kansas City. How about you? I, I agree with you. You know, there's all the, all the talk about don't vote against uh, Tom Brady. He's the greatest of all time. But uh, let's just face it. He's not the same quarterback he was uh, four or five years ago. Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes with the Chiefs, he's a tremendous quarterback. I just think the Chiefs have too much for him. We'll see. It's going to be a fun game yeah, to watch, I think. Hopefully it will be. But, I, you know, in a lot of ways, I, I don't know. I think the best quarterback on the best team should win, and I think that's Kansas City. And it's not just because I used to work in Kansas City. No, it has, of course, it has nothing to do with that. And it's not. And I'm not rooting for Kansas City just because I'm a Bills fan yeah, and Tom Brady right. for so many years. All right, well, Grom, you want I, your revenge on, on Brady, right? You know, I, I, in a, in a way, you know, it, you're from Buffalo, so you generally root against Tom Brady. But I tell you, what he's doing is amazing. I mean, over post oh, yeah. forty, you've got to respect that, you know. Yeah, you got I mean, it. I mean, the guy's incredible. Um, so I'm, but I'm, well, and also, I also like the commercials. Yeah. But they're going to be different this year. You know, some commercials are giving to COVID relief and not having commercials. Some, like Budweiser. Yeah, no, some people yeah. that, uh, some ads you normally see, but um, I, there's always something good coming yeah. from the ads, so I'm excited. Okay, Grommer, this was fun. It was, um, it was. I'll see you next week. All right. All right, see you yourself. later. All right. Thanks to Congressman Van Taylor and Mayor Harry LaRosselier for joining the show this week. Stay up to date with everything related to Texas politics and follow the Senate impeachment trial this week at NBCDFW.com. We'll talk to you next week.